Welcome to the MacroFab Engineering Podcast. I'm your guest, Iris Whedon. And we're your host, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dillman. This is episode 100. Cheers! Woo! Cheers! Mm-hmm. Okay. So Iris Whedon is our marketing director and an award-winning marketer for 10 years of experience. Is that true? Yeah. Awesome. I did not know that. <laughs> Award-winning. Award-winning. She's a native Houstonian and lover of music, dogs, and beers. In episode 100s. And an engineering podcast. And like episode 50 through 100, or yeah. however long you've, she's been doing it in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Iris has been, uh, what, a note ke- uh, keeper and a uh, topic investigator and a... The social media pusher. Yeah. Like, yep. She's done a lot behind the scenes. Exactly. Like, actually... All the notes that you see is derived from what she writes during the podcast. Yay. It's been so, fun. Yeah. Looking forward to more. And so making sure that we... episodes. Yeah. Make sure we keep on topic, too. <laughs> which never... Yeah. No, no, it's, yeah, no. I'm about to take <laughs> us away from topic right now. <laughs> watch, it's, it's the hardest thing. we go. <laughs> no, I was, I was going to... You know, we didn't talk about this, but I, I, this just came to mind. Like, we started off, and this was just like a random idea that... Uh, uh, Parker or I, I can't remember, it's probably you, you probably had this idea uh, um, back at the way old MacFab shop when there was yeah. like nine of us over there. I think it was less than that, but yeah. Uh, and uh, we, we went over to Parker's apartment or house at the time and yeah. recorded in his kitchen, kitchen the first four episodes. Yeah, the audio is horrendous. Oh, and we were so bad. Yeah, so bad. It's actually the episode one we actually re-recorded because the first time we did it, it was terrible. Yeah. Basically, we learned you can't pre-write jokes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> we, we, we wrote one episode out of a hundred. Yes. We've actually, and that was the first one that no one has ever heard. Yes, we deleted uh, it. We haven't even heard it. No. We were like, we both looked at each other and was like, this is terrible. No, so this we came back next idea. day we recorded the episode. Basically, we just put the topics down. Yep. And that was it. Um, but yeah, it's actually really funny how the podcast came about. It was just an idea. Just We needed like to make content for the website, the mm-hmm. blog. And writing articles is hard. Uh, it, it's not hard to write the articles. It's hard to find time. You can't put bullshit in an article. But no. you can put lots of bullshit in a podcast. <laughs> It was. It was. It's also why we don't do any editing on the podcast because that just takes more time to do. Mm-hmm. This is seriously like, it, people are like, "Oh, it must take a lot of work and stuff." It's like it's not really that many hours of work to do the podcast. It's just a lot of fun, and I'm really glad that a lot of people out there actually find it enjoyable to listen to. And so. yeah, thank you to all the listeners who stuck around for. 100 episodes <laughs> it's kind of crazy to look at it and be like you know uh however many what it was a little bit less than two years ago that yeah. we started it uh and to look back and be like wow like we were gonna do 100 episodes i like i would have never guessed i that. thought we would get to episode 20 and then investors would just pull the plug and be like <laughs> you're done Can't yeah do this. well and the thing is i mean with iris and a lot of other changes we've made it pretty efficient i mean we've gotten to the point where we can just kind of rock it out pretty quick now yeah so. And the, the good thing is, um, um, we have content never suffers ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always like the uh, our new um, our new Slack channel and tw- and Twitter and stuff because we get a lot of good ideas from you know what to talk about there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, anyways, this episode's supposed to be about, not supposed to be about the history of the MEP, <laughs> but a Q and A session from our listeners. Mm-hmm. Right, Iris? Yes. So we got a lot of questions from both uh, listeners through our email and the Slack channel. And um, Parker and Stephen have not seen any of these questions yet, so that's why I'm here to ask the questions, and you guys will answer. Are we ready? Okay. Please. <laughs> Fire away. All right. So the first question is from Brandon Drury. So he asks, how in the hell does one survive engineering school? What should a person expect to get from a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering? Mm. How do you survive? Um... Well, the second part, what do you get from a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering? It's a piece of paper <laughs> yes. that they hand you as you walk across the I, I don't think, is it paper? I think as it's with like, any degree, right? Isn't it like made out of something else, though? Um, lambskin. Your yeah. hopes and tears. <laughs> you know, it's like lambskin or something. Lots of lambskin? bills. Yeah. Is it, like oh, is it, it's a vellum, right? Yeah, something it's like that. The, whatever. It's still a piece of paper. Yeah, it's, all, it's a fancy. And it's got like gold 
leaf on it and stuff oh, like yeah, that. And a big stamp. Yeah, big stamp. Yeah. And your signatures from people that you've never met. Good job. Yeah, good job. So you paid us a lot of money. You paid us a ton of money. What do you do with a degree? Like, actually physically do with this piece well, of paper? So you, mine's still in the tube in my closet. <laughs> so is mine. Mine's, <laughs> I do have mine in a frame, but the frame is sitting somewhere in a storage unit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I could put it up on the wall here, but it's like, eh, it doesn't matter. At, le- at yeah. MacCrab, it doesn't really matter um it's one of the it's it gets your foot in the door to a lot of opportunities at least in the engineering world um i can't say much about any other degrees because i only have one um but electrical engineering degree you can pretty much go into any industry that builds things you can do you can work for construction companies you can go oil and gas you can do manufacturing you can do aerospace aerospace you can do any it's such a flexible degree because of electronics or any or in anything now Mm -hmm. anything and everything now yeah right so and and if you don't want to work with like components like electrical components there's the power industry and there's like power delivery industries and, and things of that so like uh, uh, telecommunication or just communication in general also needs a lot of electrical engineers. So, uh, so the first part of that question was how in the hell does one survive engineering school? I think one of the first parts of that is engineering school comes in kind of two chunks. It comes in the beginning half, which really sucks, and then the second half, which doesn't suck as much, Yeah, but it still <laughs> sucks. Which you guys talked about the beginning half in episode 99. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. 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 Um, so the, the yeah well the, the beginning half is just all the all the basics so you just in theory work yeah, yeah and and take as much as you can don't overexert yourself just do what you you know you're good at learn how to play the game because college is a game uh and, but it is go go to your your professor means even if you make up a question and go and ask them that's all it takes yeah. because what will happen is at the end of the year. And if your grade is one point away, they will bump you over because they know your name on that piece of paper. That's true. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good one. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think this is super important, uh, if you're going to college, you're paying for your classes, go to every single one of them. Don't skip them. I mean, every time you skip it, that's a couple hundred dollars that you just threw away. Uh, yep. In my opinion, go to every single class, do every single homework assignment, even though it's a giant pain in the ass. Like, I didn't yes, do any homework. <laughs> uh, you know I, I think it's important. I no, it is. And actually, looking back, I wish assignment. I did it because it would have made my life a lot easier. And it would probably make your grades better. Yes. Probably well, because you're sort of by default. Yeah, basically is, um, yeah, I basically dumped 10% of each grade down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and on top of that, like, doing a homework assignment on a Friday night as opposed to going out drinking is like... The yes, hardest it's, thing. It, it's, it sucks, but... In the end, you'll be happier. Yeah. The, what I found um, towards later in, like, basically my senior year was I just did the ho- – I eventually just started doing the homeworks, like, right after class. Mm-hmm. And I actually would just be in class doing the previous class's homework. That seemed to work. Mm-hmm. There you go. So. Uh, so the problem is, like, all of that is, like, super generic yeah, advice. Very. That's all, it's like but, but almost I mean, like, any degree can be applied to that one. Yeah, but so, so like I said earlier with the whole, like, engineering is cut into two different sections. You have the beginning, which is the basics, and the second part where you learn, like, the specifics. Uh, do some research. Do some secondary research. Talk to anyone you can find and find out what degree or what, what path of engineering interest to you because then you'll like the second half of it yep. you know if you, uh, I've, I've known too many people who got into electrical engineering and by the time they were deep into it they hated it because they didn't like the topic well you know then it makes it worthless yeah uh, so if you really like civil engineering become a civil engineer if you like chemical I don't know why you would because chemical engineering sucks but if you like <laughs> chemical engineering go hey, do that I was actually a <laughs> went to school for patrolling which is a subset of that even more specific (laughs) actually what happened was i in my intro classes i ended up not liking it so i switched majors to electrical i was the only person that transferred in that semester (laughs) 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 the electrical department yeah Um, so cool yeah so it's it's how you survive is you need to at least how i made it was i had to make it like something i really enjoyed like started reading up on extra stuff 
doing it at home, soldering. Like, I was the only person in my, most of my classes that knew how to solder. I made my first PCB board yep. way before, like, we were supposed to. Like, the our one of our final projects was we actually laid out boards. And I'm like, that's easy. So You know, that's a really good point. Um, make your own crap. Yep. Do things that have nothing to do with college. Like, they might have to do with engineering, but nothing to do with your classes. So, like, go make a little buzzy box or go make an LED blinker or go make a... I don't know. Make your own version of a stoplight or something like that. Just go do that on your own. Find something that's fun and just go do that. And then you'll find out that the rest of the engineering stuff ends up not being as bad. Or you really hate it and change majors. Or, yeah. Or if you're a mechanical engineer, go find a uh, a machine shop and cut some metal or do whatever you mechanical engineers do. <laughs> 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 Make a catapult, I guess. Or something. <laughs> Trebuchet. Yeah. Trebuchet. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> right on. All right. Cool. cool. So Brandon actually asked three questions, but um, this one from Emmett Naughton, who's a regular on our Slack channel, asked something similar. So I'm just going to lump them together, and then we'll go back to Brandon's questions. Cool. All right. So Emmett's question is, what's the best way to get an electrical engineering job, mostly for somebody with a degree but who doesn't have the job experience in the field? So... Um, how my first job was I applied to a I just looked for like ele- like electronics because I applied to like TI and all these other places and because I didn't do my homework I had a really low GPA like 2.7 something like barely squeaked by to get a degree um, and so like all the big guys their HR departments don't care if you're under like 3.2 or whatever mm-hmm. so I started applying, and I know a lot of people harp on the industry, but oil and gas is always looking for people, mm-hmm. people that actually work hard. And so I applied for a um, electronics and implementation, and uh, was it I and E instrumentation and electronics, which is basically field work, doing sensors, pulling wire, basically being a field electrician and hooking up stuff. It's not really hard work it's just i was in the middle of nowhere oklahoma so it's kind of boring but like i got to work with radios i got to climb towers and set up you know looking at an snr meter figuring out where the antenna needs to be pointed all that cool stuff and learned a lot basically i learned i didn't want to do that so i went and just applied on a job board to and you by that point you were already in you had some experience yeah yeah and i um i, I was a embedded system designer is what i trained to do at, at school so I was looking for that and it's actually really funny I found the I found a job posting on the Adafruit job board which I don't think exists anymore because last time I went there it was like under construction um, but I just applied to the job and that's where I met church and then two years later we started this company so it's like <laughs> I applied to two jobs my entire life three jobs actually my entire life so I guess I'm not the oh nope. Amber alert sorry about that guys Apparently someone stole a Toyota here in Houston. That's well with a kid in it. Oh yeah, well I guess that's Amber, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Okay, there we go. I don't think we would get a notification if someone stole just a vehicle. <laughs> 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 what kind of alert would that be? This uh, is a side topic. Steal so, alert. I don't know. So because Amber would be ringing all the yeah, time. Yeah, because Amber know. is kids. Silver is old people. Yep. So what's a car? I don't. What, I don't look up the police code for that. I don't know. Vroom, vroom alert. Zoom <laughs> zoom. Zoom zoom alert. Here we go. Anyways, so yeah, I would say just a, anything that's related to in, uh, electrical engineering, um, and don't be afraid of doing field work because it's actually you learn a lot from it. Oh yeah, and and half the time, uh, if if you're a if you're a good, solid engineer... Everyone else's phones oh, yeah, is going yeah, off yeah, now. This alert's going crazy. Um, no, if, if you're a solid engineer, um, there's, there's, there's likely I think a most, chance that you I think most engineers are solids. Pretty solid. Um, you, you're not going to sit at a desk your entire <laughs> life. You will eventually go to the field in one way or another. You know, If you're supporting a product, or if you're designing a product, or if you're working in oil and gas but you work a, a desk job they'll still probably send you to the plant at one point in time to see the product in its place so you know don't be uh, don't be afraid to do like parker said to actually go out there and experience that now um i guess 
with this question here, it, it's it's sort of open ended. Uh, you know, what's the best way to get an electrical engineering job? I would say for somebody who's still a student, most college uh, colleges have a job board available Correct. in some way, and that's honestly the easiest way to apply. Mm -hmm. And and the, one of the uh, reasons is is because when you're a student, most of the time the you don't have anything that makes you unique. Uh, if you're an electrical engineer, chances are you've taken, or I should say everyone else has taken the exact same classes that you have, so your resume is not going to be amazing. Yeah, so that goes back to what you were talking about earlier is do extra things. Well, yeah. And so that actually makes you different from every other student. Well, there's that, and, and, and the kind of what I'm getting at here is since your resume is not necessarily going to be like super unique in terms of your experience, you can write one resume and shotgun that to a gazillion companies. And I know that sounds like uh, you might sound desperate, but it makes it such that you get a lot of chances to get interviews. Mm -hmm. And interviews, I know it's goofy, everyone's heard this, but it's totally true. You're interviewing someone else as they're interviewing you. You right. get to hear what that company is all about in that interview. And swear to God, like 90% of the time you're like, man, this sounds terrible. I don't want to mm -hmm. do this. And you learn that in the interview. So, and that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's totally okay. And, and actually, on top of that, a lot of colleges will allow you to continue to use that job searching function mm -hmm. even after you've graduated. Yep. So utilize that. It's a really, really good tool. And I don't know how it is at other universities, but at UT – companies will come in and give presentations about their company and what they do and who they're looking for for like interns and stuff um i never got a like electrical engineering internship i got a petroleum engineering internship and then when i switched to electrical engineering i basically like my summers were spent in labs still so i didn't work after that but um internships help a lot because it actually gives you some it's basically another thing that makes your resume different from when you graduate and that's the big thing because you know everyone at your school has that has a degree has taken electrical engineering 101 102 103 202 etc cetera, etc cetera. everyone's yeah. taking that yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. so it's not like you know you're special in any way like that you know i used to do hiring at career fairs and um i had when I would go to career fairs at A&M, where I graduated from, I'd have electrical engineering students give me their resumes. I'm using quotes on, on that resume. Uh, and they would put bullet points on this resume like, oh, I designed a headphone amplifier in, uh, in whatever. And uh, I, I, I looked at them and I was like, you know, I did that exact same thing when I was at school. And so like... I was like, did you design this outside of class or was this a class assignment? And they were like, well, it's a class assignment. And I was like, the thing is, like, I wasn't trying to, like, beat up on the kids, but I, I, but I was, you know, it was at the – it was one of those things where it's like everyone else here has also had to design that exact same thing. That is a requirement. Tell me about what makes you special because that bullet point doesn't make you special. Yeah. It doesn't make you unique. Now, if that student can write up on a whiteboard or chalkboard the schematic they use and how it worked – I'd be pretty impressed. So. That, yeah, that would actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be awesome. Or even if they came to the uh, the, the fair with their lab report, uh, even showing me their lab report, like to just like, hey, let's talk through this. Let's walk through this. That, that would be unique. And that's another thing is, is job fairs. Um, I wouldn't use them as getting jobs. Mm -hmm. I'd use them as just practicing because you can do like eight interviews in that day. Yep, mm -hmm. and use that to get used to talking to people because I really hate talking to people I don't know. Like even now, and I'm 30 years old, I hate like <laughs> like I'll see someone's phone number and I'm like I really don't want to call them. I I'll just send an email. <laughs> <laughs> and just getting over that, the podcast has actually helped a lot getting over that like fear. But like interviews suck. Like I'm I'm terrible at them. Oh, they they're they're so not fun. And and you know at the same time career fairs. You walk into whatever building, you know, at A&M, it, it was the, the basketball stadium was yes, at UT, like yeah. 200 companies. Look, okay, Raytheon, IBM, uh, Lockheed Martin, they're going to have these, these boots that are the size of the whole stadium, you know, these massive <laughs> boots. Look, for 99% for of the people who are in there, you have no chance of getting into that place. And I'm not trying to be pessimistic or mean, but, okay, so... 
take those three off unless it is your lifelong goal to work at Lockheed or whatever those I would are. say still talk to them. Yeah, sure. Because it's them, just experience of talking to people. And actually, right. if there's multiple people there, talk to them. Go talk to other people and come back to a different person and talk to them and see how that experience is different. Well, but, but the point I'm getting at here is there's so many companies there. Don't be afraid to go to the company that has a small booth because – they might have a position that's perfect for you. Yep. Go to as many companies as possible and don't just walk by a booth. Just walk up to someone and be like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. My name is this. Yeah. You know, like I've never heard of you before. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah, it's striking up that way. Because that's the thing is they, they teach, at least they taught us, like, you should research the companies that you want to talk to. And, like, I didn't. That's homework. I didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, so, yeah. and that thing is, like, I got more FaceTime with, because they were talking, and I was in- interviewing them on what their company did, and yep. why it's like, why should I work for you? Maybe that's you shouldn't phrase it that way. Oh God, but no. that's what you should try <laughs> oh to figure God, out. No, like, that's, that's, that's a no go pile immediately. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually like, that's pretty. Um, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do but that. you should phrase like if you don't know about the company, you should figure out why you would want to work for them. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, the thing is, those guys are going to be standing there on their feet in whatever stuffy clothing for eight hours. You know, they, they don't really don't want to waste time. You know, they, they be conscious or conscientious that, that they're, you know, taking a full day to go. They had to get there early and set up. They had to, you know, be very kind and gracious that they're there. Uh, and and yeah, don't be don't be an ass. <laughs> Just don't do that. That's a good way to go in the no pile real fast. <laughs> no pile. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. I think we're done with that question. Yep. Yeah. Good answer. All right. So here's Brandon's other two questions. What is the dumbest slash smartest thing a person can do with shift registers? So I'm going to guess these shift registers are like seven four HC five nine fives. Probably. <laughs> um, the dumbest thing I've ever I've ever so I, I we got I think we should phrase this question. The dumbest thing we've used them for, or smartest thing, and then what's the dumbest smartest thing we can think of to use them? Mm, okay. So the dumbest thing I've ever used them for was designing pinball hardware, because <laughs> why would you ever do that? <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, you did shift in why like would everyone, tons why would, and tons of bits. Yeah, um, and you, for switches and stuff. It's well, like you, you had five nine five controlling all the lights in a pinball machine, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, actually, I um, it's not using a five nine five directly, but like the first dot matrix display I designed for our, our pinball machines, um, I basically simulated like a thousand seven uh, seven four HC five nine fives in an FPGA. And it used the same logic, shift clock latch, and you latch like you know four thousand ninety six bits or something like that. That's no, that's the dumbest thing I've ever used a shift register for. Hey, hey, just it worked. If it makes you feel any better, I had the chance earlier this year to speak with a couple engineers from a very uh, well known synthesizer company uh, and about their designs in a uh, one of their keyboards, and uh, for all of the lights in there and all the leds in their keyboard they use uh shift registers doing that exact same thing so they just pipeline out a gobs gobs of bits and then hit latch and let it go what it needs to do so it's that's that is a solution it's fast enough to do you know 30 fps on a dot matrix display and those chips are cheap yep and you can get them even cheaper yep So. so what about you steven what's the dumbest thing the dumbest thing i've ever done with a shift register um he's an analog guy (laughs) <laughs> I am an analog guy, so so I'm 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 struggling to think of all of my shifting experience. Uh, you know, I, I I remember having the first time I got introduced to shift registers. Uh, I had such a horrible professor, um, or I, it was a TA really, uh, and I had no clue how shift registers worked or what was going on in that lab. Uh, and so, like, I basically just wrote code until it worked uh, like i just like <laughs> wrote like test cases because like no one like, i think we had to simulate a shift register in an fpga okay and and i just started writing like all this random ass code until like i got a general idea of it working and then i said screw this uh and so like that was probably the dumbest screw thing this i'm done. using tubes <laughs> yeah no, it was the dumbest thing because like i really probably should have just like asked for help but i was really arrogant at that 
particular time because I was I was pissed off because like nobody was helping me and like I I felt like I should have just known it and so I was just like I'm just gonna figure this out <laughs> and I probably spent like way more hours than I needed to so that was dumb yeah yep. so we have an example of a dumb thing that's actually a product <laughs> that uses shift registers mm-hmm. and then two things we didn't know was stupid yeah cool cool smartest thing do you want to talk about smartest thing um programming a pinball machine with <laughs> yeah, exact same example. it's so elegant and stupid at the same time <laughs> hey, if you if you think about it in terms of like board real estate and cost it might be smart yeah um the only thing is i there's some um i want to try out or like the i square c io expanders hmm. which are basically shift registers but they run on an i square c bus and they have an address and but they work pretty much the same way. Yeah. Um, I want to try those out. Okay. So, in the future, hopefully I get to use one. Right on. All right. On to number three. Yep. Yep. What is a good resource for learning how to prototype? My wires are always a mess. I have no idea what kind of box can hold panel-style outlets. I'm looking for a resource that will improve my ability to take a circuit that works into a form factor that will allow it to be tested in a halfway reliable way. Ooh. That's a, that is solid. <laughs> there's a spicy some, question. Yeah, there's some meat in that one. Because I was about to say, the what's a good resource for learning how to prototype? A breadboard. A breadboard. <laughs> but, uh, but then he was like, my wires are all a mess. I was like, okay, well, not a all breadboard. Right. <laughs> so, no, a breadboard. And then get the solid wire jumpers that have the 90 degrees built into them. Yeah. Those, um, I can't remember what they're called. They're, not, they're jumper wires, but not like the ones that are flexible. They're actually like you get a case and a pre cut and bent. Yep. Get those. Yeah, uh, jumpers. Jumpers. Just, yeah. Just a jumper kit. Um, those will really help clean up your wiring. And yeah. So uh, I would say the way you're probably prototyping now, continue to do that. However, once you get your circuit working, rip it apart and then rebuild it. The way Parker's talking about with like really well-known like jumper lengths, yep. and then it'll clear things up. Like uh, take for instance, if you're doing a uh, like an op amp, pin eight goes to positive voltage and pin four goes to negative voltage. Plan your rails such that the top rail is positive voltage and your bottom rail is negative voltage. So if you do a jump that's from the pin eight to the positive rail, it's only like 0.4 inches. Put a little 0.4 inch like solid bend jumper there and you know plan plan like that think think of like where are my parts going to go as opposed to just like well i'll slap this here and slap this here and then then my circuit doesn't work you know yeah that's usually a really good way to make sure it doesn't work so planning a little bit ahead of time uh and i don't mean like don't plan your whole breadboard ahead of time plan like one step ahead yeah so what i usually do for prototyping now it's it's changed a lot over the years how i used to do breadboarding first and then you know and then iterate that but what i do now is i usually will design a schematic first hmm. it's the first thing i do i'll design all the parts i want to use in schematic and that way i know what kind of you know do i need a carrier board to you know if it's an smd part you can't pull it that into a breadboard and build it from there do schematic first and then replicate the schematic onto a breadboard and sometimes i want to breadboard the whole thing i'll just breadboard parts that i don't know that work yet like i don't breadboard an FTDI chip USB interface anymore because I'm like I know how that works yeah, and you've, I can you've made circuit elements that are Lego blocks yes um, I wouldn't say Lego blocks but I'm like I know I can make that thing work no matter what yeah on the on the board the first time and I'll only experiment with that one part that I need that's new basically um, and then I'll write code for like usually the parallax propeller because I can chug out some spin code really fast to just like make that chip work i'm like okay that works and then i'll spin a full-on pcb mm-hmm. so and then port the code to like c or something depends on what microcontroller you're using cool yeah so the next part of that is um box that can hold panel style out so finding enclosures is like the hardest thing <laughs> for electrical engineer yeah <laughs> it's always no, just finding the right one because we, at least how I think of stuff is like I already know what I want it to look like yeah. and and how I want to use it. And I'm like I need a box that's cheap and off the shelf that does that. And there's never one. No, no, never. 3D printer. <laughs> well, okay. 
So uh, here's here's two names that I can give, or three, three names that are inexpensive, in quotes, and uh, they they usually have something that will work. Uh, you have Bud Industries, B U D. I love you that have, name. Um, Hammond, uh, and then you have. Takachi. 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 Yeah, that's it. So if you want like a really nice plastic case that has like rubber overmolding and it's uh, silk got, screen, like, silk screen, Takachi. If you want a uh, uh, extruded aluminum box that comes in incredibly standard sizes, go with Hammond. And if you want like old school, like 60s era test equipment looking thing, go with Bud. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Or listen to episode 99 <laughs> and listen to how we talk about doing using PCBs for enclosures and stuff. That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a yeah. That works really well. Yeah. So, and it, and it works with our wheelhouse as electrical engineers and EDA tools. So, right. And then and then uh, part of that question says panel style outlets. Um, when you say outlets, hopefully you're not saying like wall outlet like you know the the mains voltage for something like that you need a box that's like dedicated for that kind of thing because even though like as an electrical engineer you you have a an idea of what uh what the angry pixies are doing inside the wires <laughs> like you still need to like at least pretend like we know what we're doing with them and because they will hurt <laughs> try to follow ul and electrical standards and stuff like that don't put don't put a, a mains outlet in anything that can explode or burn so don't make a wooden box with a mains outlet on it um when it, when it, <laughs> when it comes to like my first power supply I ever design was in a wooden box it was in a wooden box yeah and 120 went in and then into a transformer i pulled out of an old radio and then into a lm317 with there a potentiometer go. on the front. But yeah, wooden box. Well, hey, remember earlier didn't this year I did 5,500 watts into a uh, USPS cardboard box. That was like <laughs> slightly moldy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm not saying that like we're not hypocritical here. <laughs> but, but when it comes to dealing with mains voltage, Home Depot has like four aisles that are dedicated to doing that properly. So yep. uh, research that and figure that out. Cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think we're good there. All right. So, next question from Stephen Newberry. What is the best method for us hardware engineers to monetize our side projects? I personally don't have the time to handle manufacturing or customer support in the long term. I've considered contacting companies to sell a design for a lump sum or royalty-based model, but I've never gone through with it. What are your suggestions on what will or won't work the best? Mm, I've actually, I when I was in a was I when I was a student. Um, I sold Atari m video mods. It's how I funded a lot of my education. <laughs> um, like, I paid for rent, basically, with that. So that was pretty nice. HDMI Ataris? Uh, S-Video. S-Video. Analog. Nice. Well, it has analog and digital components of it. Um, and I supported that through, you know, email and all that good stuff. And... Yeah, it's it's you get to a point where it becomes you you have to go because I was actually building all the boards myself too, and soldering them all and doing all that work, um, and yeah, it gets to the point where it's just too much, and I actually just stopped doing it. Um, I kind of want to start doing it again because I get a lot of requests for it, and with Macrofab I don't have to build anything. Pl shameless plug, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's you know I don't know what a good solution that is because you got a website like Tindy, but you still have to. It's like eBay though; is you still have to manage your own. It's not a storefront, but you still have to manage your customers. Um, maybe that's what Tindy should go into. They manage your customers for you. You just yeah. ship them inventory. But he also doesn't want to like handle anything besides yeah, just this design. Guy just wants to design. Sounds uh, like you just need a. Get contract jobs in. I, yeah. I don't know because like you want to design something and just not support it. Well, okay. So so if I mean if you're really I mean if your chops are good enough that people want to buy your whatever you're making, uh, royalty is going to be your best option. Yeah. Uh, for the for the long term, but if you're willing to um, you know settle for lump sum, then then uh, you know your two options of lump sum or royalty is probably your best options. 
Yeah, and uh, because you, it sounds like you don't want to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to use MacFab as an example. See if we can make this work in MacFab. This is another shameless plug, but we got to do it sometimes on the podcast. I thought it was going to be that. I was like, oh, yeah, this looks like a MacFab dancer. Okay. What, what does the shameful plug look like? Shameful? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know what shameless though is? Okay. Anyways, <laughs> you confuse me with with SAT stuff. With the English SAT stuff. <laughs> um, what, what did you make on the English portion of the SAT? I made it 550. I was below that. that was, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was like in the 400s. <laughs> my, my, math, my math section was nearly perfect, and that was that was enough to get me into what school. What was it? Was like, I think I was the opposite with the English. Was it like, really? yeah. was it like a 900 was like the top score? Uh, well, it was math? 800 for each. Okay, I a, was a tough I think I scored a 780 on math. I think I was either 780 or 790. Yeah, yeah found it. That's right. <laughs> and this is the old SAT too. Which yeah. how many iterations? We're getting off topic. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to ask like how many iterations of the SAT because it was like the old SAT and then when I went to school it it became the new SAT so I actually took both and you took your best score. Wow. And and yeah, actually, the funny thing is with it because a lot of people like take the SAT multiple times. I did worse every single time. <laughs> I, took the I just SAT. took it once. I was like, "Fuck this! This is it. this is it." And then I took the ACT too. Yeah, so I took nice. I took yeah. the ACT yeah. too. I actually did pretty well in the ACT, but no schools at the time took the ACT in Texas. I have no idea why I took it. <laughs> Anyways, um, designing and making money off of stuff. Yeah. So, um, at Macrofab. You can put your or your design in and build it. Um, MacFab will handle all the operations side, and all you have to do is give them a customer list. So you still have to manage the storefront, and then you have to manage your support. The inventory. The inventory MacFab handles too. Um, so, but I guess you, once you run low, you would just have to really like you order to, more. You just have to build another batch. Yeah. So the thing is, you still have to run a storefront and still run if you have warranty stuff. If you have you know um customer support customer support you still have to run that side i don't know of anyone that just does that side like we'll run your customer support because that's really hard because you have to know the your customer wonderful su- spouse yeah because <laughs> 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 your customer support needs to know your product yeah that's really hard to do support for for products so you might not be able to get away that's this is the thing it's like I could make so much money if it wasn't for those pesky customers. <laughs> That's like every engineer's dream. Don't ever let me talk to anyone. Let me sell my design, never support it, and make a ton of money. Like, yeah. That would be an engineer's dream, but unfortunately it doesn't work that way. Because people. You're, unless you're Elon Musk. Because well. he, he has enough money to pay other people to worry about that stuff. That's right, yeah. yeah. He can make electric semi-trucks. Yeah. Unless you're anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. I don't. I don't think we have a really good answer for no, that one. I don't think anyone has a good answer no. for that one. Um, sorry. I, so sorry, Stephen. Personally, the royalty method, and that has worked for me in yeah. the past. I've done the royalty method too, and that works pretty well. The funny thing is, we, it, the world is the the pinball boards. Yeah. Um, I get a royalty, and we also manufacture this here, <laughs> so it's kind of weird. <laughs> Conflict of interest, just a little. Just bit. a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, I did farm out the price. You know, so. Uh, so one of the best uh, options, and we'll go quick here, um, sell your royalty design to another engineer. Uh, so find an engineer who needs just design work, and they don't have the time for it because they can support it. Uh, there's someone you can actually trust to support it. There you go. There. That's a good solution. Right on. Okay. Good. Okay, cool. So I would say that was the... Um, Segment one, if you will, of like the serious ish questions. Oh, this is act two? This is act two. No so intermission. So we have an intermission? No intermission. <laughs> intermission's over. So <laughs> <laughs> All right. These are a little bit more fun. Okay. All right. This is from. Go on intermission. <laughs> Reload. Reload. All right. Tom Anderson asks, I would like to hear the story behind what's the worst electrical shock that you guys have ever had. So this goes back to episode 85, if y'all remember. I thought we talked about this. Yep. Uh, uh, Briefly. I I re-listened to it. It's just the story behind it. Yes. Ah. So mine, it was, I got shocked by my Jeep. Yep. 
I guess what, the story behind it? Yeah, what happened? Um, drinking beer <laughs> and was I was this is before I got the engine replaced in the Jeep, and it was having some. Um, it's called blow by. Basically, the exhaust is going blown through the your oil rings on your pistons, and so it goes into the crankcase. And you basically it burps oil smell all the time. So uh, okay, I like mechanics, but I am no mechanic whatsoever. So I have okay. no idea. I know that it was your distributor cap. Yes. Have, so I'm explaining why I did this. But I have no idea what a distrib- distributor cap does. So okay. if you could explain okay. that too. Yeah. So I'll get there. Yeah. So <laughs> the engine had blow by. So I was trying to figure out what piston it was. And how you do that is basically um, make that piston not fire and because the engine noise will change. Um, and basically, I was looking for a certain – it was basically piston slapping, which is when the piston rocks in the um, bore of where the piston goes. It, the skirt will basically hit the sidewall. And because it was doing that, the rings shift, and then you get blow-by and, yeah, exhaust and oil crankcase, and it burps oil smell every so often. Um, and so I was basically unplugging all the spark plug boots to figure out which one was burping. Um, you're supposed to like, just turn the engine off, unplug one, and then like put a cap on the spark plug glute and then crank it back up again. And I'm like, ah, whatever. I was wearing a glove. And so I was wearing just like a leather mechanics glove. <laughs> and I pulled the first one off and I got basically 40 KV. Um, into basically went in through the glove across my chest into my arm which was on the fender the the most dangerous path yeah the most dangerous path yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know immediately got knocked back on my ass and was like well I'm done working on the Jeep there's a reason that spark plug blutes are like you know 10 millimeters of of like high voltage silicon yes there's a good reason for that yeah yeah, yeah. is that the insulation part of it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. I mean it's surrounded by everything that that spark that's in there wants to go everywhere but the spark plug. Yes. Uh, and so like, spark plugs are all designed to just like focus the spark in one spot. Yeah, because okay. um, a spark plug, the um, electrode is surrounded by ceramic, which is yep. very high insulative. And so, because what you're because you're trying to spark it across a gap of air, and air fuel mixture, but just air. Go and boom. Yeah, and that that gap has like, you know. Um, is that they don't call it resistance? I can't remember what they call air gaps, but they have a voltage rating. Oh, a dielectric breakdown. There it is, dielectric <laughs> breakdown of that air gap, and you have to overcome that with lots of voltage. You ionize the air, and it electrons flow across the air. Yes. Yeah. Or across your chest. Oh, yeah, that, <laughs> that works. So <laughs> that's the worst. Um, because one twenty is kind of like it tingles. I actually shocked my friend before with 120. An accident? Yeah, by accident. So this is back in high school. I was in um, I was in tech theater, and we built fog machines. What's tech theater? Technical theater. So you were doing all the sets and props for the theater class. But the technical stuff? Or? Mm-hmm. It's like you got the theater nerds, yeah. and then you have like the <laughs> ultimate nerds yeah. behind so the we scenes. So we were building. So we built everything and did all electrical work, and we would run the sets. So like right we on. were the people that were in black and moving stuff around. and So we were building. Can you see Parker running around in stage. black spandex in the back of the stage? No, we just wore black jeans and black like Operating and a shirt. Muppet also, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, we had all, we had just black shirt and gloves and mask on sure. and stuff so um and you always had to tell your parents which one you were because everyone just wears black in the back <laughs> it's just like don't you know me yeah, yeah. um so if you saw the beauty and the beast um in 2004 at stratford high school in houston i was the person at the very beginning that pushed the fountain out you know, I'd I would not be surprised if we get, we get some writing and be like, I remember that. It was the best time of my life. <laughs> so, yeah, I had – because the fountain was uh, – when the that curtain came up. The fountain was magical. Yeah. The fountain uh, – because the curtain came up, and the fountain had to come forward because it was more front-centered. And so I had to, like, just push it, like, five feet and then scurry off to the side before the actors came on. <laughs> that was, like, the most I've ever was, like, in front of people. So did that school. fountain shock your buddy? <laughs> no. So we <laughs> okay, were making yeah, a – I can't remember what the, what show we were doing, but we had to build fog machines. And these were like – we needed a lot of fog. 
And so we had 55-gallon metal drums that we put water in, and then we built a basket that had dry ice in it, and that dunked into the water that was in the barrel. And then on top of the lid of the barrel, we put giant scroll cage fans because they had to be quiet, and that pumped air into the barrel, and then we had big AC duct hoses that we would just drape out onto the floor, and... This thing would fill the entire, like, we had, like, eight of these, and it would fill the entire tor- uh, auditorium full of fog. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were fixing one of them because um, some, basically someone ripped the cord off of it, and so we're fixing it. And my friend goes, plug it in, see if it works, and he's holding it. <laughs> and I plugged it in, and he grounded it out by his body. And oh, so yeah. he's just like, <laughs> and he's just like, and, like, I, I turn around, look at him, I'm like, ah, and then unplugged it. <laughs> it was like it was like he was watching me. And there was like no quickness to my movement. <laughs> huh. That's fantastic. Yeah. So that's the other one. That wasn't I'm me. I'm glad even. you haven't shocked me. <laughs> well, you probably wouldn't be holding like a plug that was being tested. Oh, too, I would totally know? be holding a plug. Yeah, that's we've done like some pretty style. sketchy things at your shop. <laughs> Uh, at my shop? Yeah, with electronics. Oh, yeah. Plugging stuff in. But it's like one of those, like, you get to, like, 30 years old, and you're like, I don't really want to shock myself anymore. <laughs> you don't want to, but at the same time, you've done it enough that it's just like, ow, and then you yeah. just keep going. Yeah, you know? keep like, going. I was living on a farm for a little bit, and so hot wires with, like, pig fences and all that kind mm. of stuff. And those are fun. That brings back memories. Yeah, yeah. that that's no fun. <laughs> and then being a girl's probably TMI, but, yeah, there's, like, wires that we wear that it just uh, you can feel it you know oh, like, yeah. like harder but yeah anyways they uh, guide and direct they do guide it's not fun instead of lift and separate <laughs> oh boy <laughs> I like it podcast title yeah <laughs> um so I like how both of these um shocking stories are related to spark plugs yeah yeah so uh you know the thing is like i i have another story and i thought i told this that is in my opinion it is way worse so i'll go over that one real quick in a second but the 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 story that was brought up here from episode 85 was uh a lawnmower uh my (laughs) buddy had a lawnmower where the kill switch didn't work so instead of installing or fixing the kill switch which is literally two wires he just put a zip tie on the spark plug wire and all you would do is just yank the zip tie and to kill the lawnmower and um, i was over at his house um, helping him mow one day and he told me about that and I was like oh okay cool and all he told me was you just pull the spark plug wire to uh, kill the motor and so like I get done mowing his entire lawn I just grab the wire and give it a yank and it just it made a noise like it was it was like enough in and this is just a small like lawnmower yeah it was enough to Two just knock me motor. on my ass you yeah. know did you fly no I mean like I have before yeah. from getting shocked uh, from a from a cow fence once actually mm. I was climbing over a fence and I the very top wire was was oh like you got Jurassic park. parked I got Jurassic parked oh, no. flew off onto my back and, oh my and the funny thing was it I know this is gonna sound super weird but it actually kind of felt good like, <laughs> I got shocked and I was like, whoa whoa what was that like your whole body feels alive that's Steven's you know? fetish yeah, yeah weird like that but yeah no, so you come over to his house and it's just like. There's jumper cables. <laughs> like all the other apartments are dim. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, the lawnmower, like, it's still like any engine needs a huge spark, and any spark needs to be massive to cross that little yeah. spark gap. Yeah, 20 so, kV or up. Right. Even yeah. small so, ones. Like a Jeep or a lawnmower, it's still a big spark. Uh, and um, current will kill you, voltage hurts. Yes. So, like, I've been hit by low voltage before, and it's just like, it, it's not that bad, but I've been hit by. You know, I have actually hit 500 volts once, and that was not fun. That, <laughs> that one is still like I'm going home. You know, what was that? I'm going to take a nap. Oh, there was a uh, there was a tube amp. I got hit by a tube amp once in really? my elbow, actually. Oh, oh yeah, uh, the funny bone. Huh? But okay, so the worst shock I ever got. I swear I talked about this on the episode, but we're regardless. If I hadn't, uh, I was working a job years and years and years ago, and I'm, I I did something completely stupid I should have never done. I'd actually brought in my own soldering iron. Um, and I bought this soldering iron. It was like a Chinese piece of crap, and the soldering iron was not grounded. The two-pronger. I did, I did, it was a two-pronger, I, and I wasn't thinking, and like I had like 15 things in my left hand, and I had the soldering iron and like four other things in my right hand, and I didn't have 
anywhere to put the solder, so I took a chunk of solder and I held it in my teeth <laughs> and I pushed it into the PCB with my head and I got maze voltage into my front teeth. Is that is that why your your tooth is chipped? Oh <laughs> boom! <laughs> I mean that was that was to get mains voltage into your skull through your teeth is about the worst pain ever. Like I I do not know, and I will never know what pregnancy feels like. <laughs> but I guarantee you, this is worse. I guarantee you, like it cannot be worse than this. Oh my that god, that was so bad. And like my coworkers watched me do it. That was the worst part. They watched me, and they're just like, "Good God, you are stupid." <laughs> I did watch my friend. Um, he was plugging in some speakers, and he put, fortunately, not 120V, but it was a. He put the a, the like the barrel jack in his mouth to hold it for some reason and then plug the transformer in and so it sent 15 volt AC into his mouth <laughs> it was the same thing I just watched him do it I'm like well I mean I mean Darwin finds a way oh yeah oh yeah so yeah. Um, man it's kind of like I'm glad that I'm hearing these stories because like I'm starting to mess around with being a homeowner like doing my own electrical stuff and I'm assuming that, like, you know, spark plugs have the ceramic because it's safe. And so, you know, like, yeah. I could touch a spark plug maybe or whatever, but no. Not while it's, it's running, at least. Not while it's running. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't see it, but it hurts like hell. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's true. There's actually a good story. I'm, we're going to keep riding this gravy train on, on shocking. <laughs> so, so, on Saturday night, I was in my garage. I was, like, you know, drinking a lot of uh, whiskey. And smoking a cigar, because I was, like, looking at my Jeep, like, admiring all the work I did over the weekend. I'm like, crazy. And, like, I had, looking Jeep, and so I'm like, yeah, it looks good. Like, you know, it's a project, so I'm, like, like admiring it. I'm listening to the radio, and I'm looking over on the wall, and I'm looking at my welder socket. And I installed it upside down with the ground. Pl- it's a three-prong, 240, 50-amp. Oh, so the cord the ground plug the wall and then goes up? Up. Yeah, that's annoying. Because I had the ground plug going on the bottom, which is like a normal 120 volt socket would be like. But uh, uh, for these, it's the exact opposite. So I'm like, I should fix that. And this is like four whiskeys in. And so I'm like, I open the breaker box, turn it off. I pull out the meter, check to make sure it's dead. It's all dead. You know, pull it out. And I'm like, I twist it. And like, I'm here on the radio. It's like, homeowners shouldn't do their own electrical work. And then there's like the sound effect. They're like, ah! I'm like, I'm okay. It's a sign. <laughs> it's a sign. No, I finished the job, but I thought it was really funny that commercial popped on. Yeah, it's like for a commercial for like a handyman service or something. But like they had the ah! sound effect of someone getting shocked. Maybe Come it was on. a sign you for tell you. Tell a story to... and say like, at the end, I didn't get shocked. I didn't like, get shocked. Come on, that's not a story. That's just like what you're supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got a good one here. This this one is funny because my buddy and I, we still talk about this today. Um, he, so my parents went out of town one time a couple years ago. Or I'll, actually, it was way more than a couple <laughs> years ago. Jeez, I'm old. Uh, but So my buddy was like, I'm going to bring my drum set over, and we're going to set up and play guitar and drums in the living room. Cause How we old never are you got guys? To do this. Oh, yeah, high school. Okay. Uh, and so, like, it was, like, awesome. So, like, we were just jamming and stuff. And, and I was like, hey, let's start, you know, designing some guitar pedals and stuff. So we started, we were designing some uh, tube guitar pedals. And we built a circuit that was 300 volts. And it was all, like, breadboarded up and stuff. And we're like, hey, we can we can play on this. Well, I had the, the, the table that we were working on was in a completely separate room from where the, the drums were that my buddy set up. And uh, he's like, oh, let's jam on this. We just built this cool pedal. And so I was like, oh, yeah, hell yeah. So I go over there. I have my shoes off. And this is a pedal that you normally, like, stomp on. Yes. Uh, and, and I had <laughs> I had, this, like, I had, the, I had the switch for it, which is not a high voltage. just like, just your guitar signal going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the switch on, like, long pigtail wires that were hanging off of it. Well, so, like, he gets on the drum and starts going, and we start, start jamming and stuff. And I go to, like, turn this new pedal on because it's going to make us sound amazing. And somehow I slip, and my toe hits the 300 volts on this breadboard. <laughs> and the thing was, like, I 
I felt I did not feel the shock in my toe. I felt it in the back of my head. Whoa. Like oh, when man. your spinal cord hits your skull, uh. like I felt it there, and I turned around because I thought my friend punched me in the back of the head, <laughs> and I was I was legitimately <laughs> mad. I started yelling at him, and he's like, "What the hell's wrong with you, dude?" And he's yelling from the other room, and then I realized that it, he didn't punch me. I just you shocked myself yourself. in my toe. Yeah. Wow, looking back, I've done a lot of dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> when you, yeah, when you slowly like start thinking about it, it's like it builds up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the stupid stuff you do yeah. just builds up. No, that that friend, that same friend has has uh, totally shocked me before. Ah, uh, so yeah. it's like you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. So there you go. I think we're done with that. We could probably keep going oh, for hours on this. Like yeah, Steven's yeah, probably yeah. got like eight more. Yeah, but oh, on the back <laughs> it says, yeah, that. on the back it says Steven Lawnmower Parker distribution cap. Yeah. Yeah. And because if we just talked about those two, this would have been like a one minute segment. Yeah, but we had to go into it. I like it. Yeah. Alrighty, so we've got our friends um, from Annotexor have asked us some questions. Do not read ahead, sir. I think they made some cool badges at one point in time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Those guys, right? Yeah. In fact, I think we actually have some of those badges lying around. Yep. Here. Cool. We do. All right. What yep. questions do they have for us? All right. So Hiron asks, what is the difference between a duck? Okay. Wait. Difference between a duck and duck. what else? You see, the problem with Hiron is that he, he thinks that we're funny <laughs> and that we can come up with stuff on the spot. <laughs> we're uh, not we're not stand up comedians. No, we're not stand up and, and, and so I'm gonna put this on him as in like he made the mistake here, not us. <laughs> that we can't answer this question properly. <laughs> well this is a uh, two part question, if you will. Okay, so the yes. So but w- what is a wait, what's the question again? What's the difference between a duck? Uh, compiler error <laughs> must need another argument. What was it, uh, Does not compute. What, what was the Celebrity Jeopardy thing? Uh, uh, the difference between a uh, uh, a sick duck and a sick your sick mother's. I don't. I see, don't. see, like this is just not going to go well. This <laughs> yeah. is uh, whatever. That was uh, Sean Connery on Celebrity Jeopardy. Sean Connery. Yeah. Sean Connery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are the best Celebrity Jeopardy episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I have to and watch I, it. I like Celebrity Jeopardy. All right. Well. So, second part of this question. Okay. All right. All of a sudden, one of the following two things no longer exists. Craft beer or lead alloy solder. Which do you pick, Parker? Oh. Um, <laughs> because I'm doing a lot more SMT work and it involves paste and stuff, lead solder. You get rid of craft beer? No. Lead solder can go away. Oh, lead solder. Okay. Craft beer is more important. <laughs> Because that also means you can't brew. So that doesn't. No, 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 no. Craft beer no, is you, not home brewing. Uh, so there's a there's a difference there. Then if that's true, then I would get rid of craft beer because I can just brew my own craft beer. That wasn't gonna be my answer because yeah. Get oh, rid I of stole craft your brew That's other people's brew, not mine. I, I sold I sold your spark plug shock. That's right. <laughs> yeah, what if it's my all craft beer? And my lead solder. Yeah. What if it's all craft beer? What if it's all craft? So. Really, this this question because I'm, I'm the one on this podcast that always advocates for lead solder. So this yeah. this question sounds like trying to get me to to slip up and say I'm yeah. not going to get rid of lead so solder. It, it, I'm going to brew illegally in my basement that I will build in Houston with lead solder. With lead solder, that's right. Yeah. And, that way, and I will subvert this question because I will have both homebrew and lead solder. Because <laughs> with the lead with the lead solder walls, the the federal government can't read your mind. That's right. And I will not have lead poisoning. Uh, maybe not. Because <laughs> in your in your in your in your beer. Okay, but but in all honesty, if I absolute gun to the head, if I had to get rid of one of them, I'd get rid of my lead solder because you can still make stuff with lead-free solder, and so getting rid of lead solder would mean you'd still have both things. Yep. So. There you go. Cool. Okay. Right on. All right. Next question from Zappa. Oh, I'm rereading his questions, hey. and that's supposed to be hey, a joke. It's written my hand. That's cheating. Cheating. Please, Iris. All right. Zap from N. Nodexor says, would you rather assemble 1,000 duck-sized horse PCBs or one horse-sized duck PCB? 1,000 duck-sized because that fits in the pick and place. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> though a... Steven's an artist, too, so, a, like, you know, you've made large things. Well, I'm, like, no, the thing uh, is, I'm really considering the horse-sized duck PCB because, like... 
assembling a thousand duck-sized horse PCBs is just going to get you like the award for assembling a thousand duck-sized you know, horse PCBs. But being the guy, the one guy who's like quirky <laughs> enough to make the horse-sized PCB <laughs> is like, I would rather have that. Okay, so the next... Yeah, what's Whoever the... makes a duck-sized PCB and runs it through our pick place, and they'll, they'll make it on the Red Hot PCB For sure. Twitter post. Yeah. But do they have to make a thousand of them? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Like the, yes. <laughs> the horse-sized one, like I mean, panels are only sixteen by sixteen, right? Yeah. So you gotta find a way to like stick a bunch of panels. Panelize a horse? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that uh, somewhere out there, there's some like magical PCB fab house that will <laughs> actually make you a horse-sized PCB. There's some like military application where they need like a sixteen foot by sixteen foot PCB. PCB. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm sure there's got to be something like that. And NASA has used it one time, and they paid $50 million for all the machines, and they used yeah, it once all the to place one IC on it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, that was funny. Um, our uh, uh, PCB, or not PCB, it was, it's our manufacturing, what is it? The guy who runs up the floor here. I don't, I don't remember what his exact title is. Uh, he was telling Chris me. Chris Colbert. <laughs> well, that's his name, but not his title. Well, just say his name. And then <laughs> yes. people can go look on the MacFab.com slash AboutLess page. director or something like that. Whatever. <laughs> Regardless, he was telling me when he was back in, like, PCB school, uh, he was learning on the Micronic Mi 9 devices. Um, and apparently they had a device that uh, NASA was using. <coughs> and it's this large uh, IC that has, like, a you know a gazillion pins on it and they were using this this mine nine to place this part and uh the the guy who was demonstrating it was the guy who was actually going to place this part on the actual nasa board uh and so he fires up the mine nine and he shows everyone uh like how to like program and everything like that first thing he does is he picks up this chip drives it over to the board rams it into the wrong spot on the board and bends like a ton of pins on it oh no and his chip is two hundred thousand oh dollars? And it, like in front of the entire class, just completely wow. destroys. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, why wouldn't you just use a dummy chip? I don't know. I don't know. For some reason, they were using like, like the chip. And NASA bought this entire pick and place machine to put one PCB in it wow. and to put one IC on it. And the very first one they do, their operator just. Wrecks the entire chip. Oh I think that shows also the inefficiency of government and uh, agencies to do that. Possibly. Needless to say, that guy didn't teach anymore. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> you're he, done here. Yeah, one, one, one. I guess uh, it was probably a custom ASIC. It's and so that chip probably only cost a couple bucks, but like all the tooling that went into designing that chip was that. Oh yeah, and the salaries and all the other crap. Yeah, but, I yeah. mean, yeah, two hundred thousand dollars for a single chip. And the guy ruined it. <laughs> Mental leads. I feel terrible. What did that thing do? That but thing. that was probably a while back too, what, right? Yeah, so, still. I mean, yeah. if you're building that, what, what's the thing is, if you build one chip, it's like ten million dollars. If you build two thousand chips, it's ten million dollars. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the saying that my boss used to uh, used to tell me all the time, it was like, yeah, one chip is a hundred thousand. A hundred thousand chips is a hundred thousand. Yeah. So. You got because the, the how chips are made, they're built on wafers, and they have a certain size. So, like a wafer can have like ten thousand chips on it. So, or one, or one, yeah, yeah. So yet, yeah, you pay, and that's all the tooling that goes, like all the screens and lithographs, and it's amazing that we still build. Time. Yeah, it's, no, it's just amazing that we still build stuff with with light waves. And lithographs. <laughs> I know. I was like, lithograph? Isn't that like some Disney sketch? It's like in a museum somewhere. It's know? basically exactly <laughs> yeah. what it is. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a microscopic screen of stainless that's got little tiny holes cut into it. Mm -hmm. We still build chips that way. It's that's crazy. primarily the way that we build chips. Yeah. It's just crazy to think about that way. That's, that technology, it's improved over time, but it's relatively... Like, if you showed the engineers in the 60s that technology, they're like... You just got better at machining or building the tooling. That's all it was. Is tooling has gotten better, but the technology is still this. Someone's going to be like, blah, 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 blah. But it's, A gray beard? Yeah, some gray beard that 
Or no. The, the, the fundamental uh, concept way that it works is still yeah. the same. They, they, they do some new things it's nowadays. More accurate now. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit more accurate. But the, 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 they do some th- new things now, which is like pre distort the aperture so that. Because they do sub light. Uh, they do sub wavelength size now. Mm-hmm. So you have to like. When the wavelength, when the light goes into the aperture, it like distorts because bend, yeah. it bends. So they pre-distort the aperture so when it bends, it's the right shape, which is pretty crazy because that's a lot of simulation. Yeah, if, if you think uh, <laughs> if you think uh, um, solder paste stencils are are hard to design, try designing a <laughs> IC stencil. Yeah, that's actually a good way to think stencil. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, it's besides that, I can't think of anything else crazy that's new in that field like the procedures of course are better and the technology of building the tooling is better but the actual process is like yeah a guy from the 60s would be like yeah i know how that works you know uh, uh, there's uh, nothing new in, in it's my it's uh, weird to think of that physics way. class my, my buddy brought up something that was that was great and i love this uh we were talking about the fact that you know it, when you're in that class you're talking about single transistors on a die and the whole class is all about that. And so all of your units are in, like, picometers or nanometers. Yeah. And so you spend three or four months, and you get used to thinking of in that scale. Like, And he came up to me one day. He's like, we shouldn't be used to thinking about this scale. Like, that should be really, really tiny. Like, yeah. that should be, like, we should appreciate how small that is. But, in but like, we throw around those numbers like it's, like oh, you know, this is easy stuff. Like, 50 years ago, that was not easy. I guess 20 years ago, that probably wasn't even easy, you know? Yeah. Well, it's yield count. Well, I guess, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got that big wafer you were talking about, and you get <laughs> 40 80% could, of it. Yeah, if you're lucky. On a mature product? Yeah. yeah. Right on. Crazy. So, I think that's going to wrap up the Q&A session, right? There's no more questions? Nope, no more questions. No secret questions? Those are good questions. No secret questions. Oh. Maybe I next time. I just it to be over. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was fun. I liked so it. So, you want to sign us out? Sure thing. That was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I was your guest, Iris Whedon. And we were your hosts, Parker Doman. And Stephen Craig. And so, for one more, episode 100, guys. Cheers. We made it. Woo-hoo. We did something. Cheers, y'all. Take it easy. Ah. <sighs> <laughs> we should harmonize that. Thank you, yes, you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, or a question that you want Stephen and I to discuss and Iris to read to us, tweet us at MacFab or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. Uh, we have a lot of people who ask questions on our Slack channel. In discussions. In discussions, yeah. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, Click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest map episode right when it releases. And please review us on iTunes. It helps the show stay visible and helps new listeners find us.